This is a Power 98.7 podcast. Now we're talking. Subscribe to Power 98.7 podcasts in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. There's more on power987.co.za. It's 19.35 on Power Business Now. In our Africa segment this evening, uh, we had a conversation earlier today with uh, Wamkele Mene. He is uh, the SG of the African Continental Free Trade Area uh, Secretary, and he's been reappointed to that position after uh, four years in the role initially. Uh, we caught up with him about his time in uh, the role, but also what he plans to do for the future, but also where we are with this intra-Africa infra, infra trade story, uh, you know, with uh, tariffless borders and so on and uh, he joined us for a very generous conversation let's listen back to that uh, thank you so much for joining us uh, this evening ambassador you've recently been elected for a second term as the sg of the afcfta secretariat uh, maybe let's reflect on the first term what it's been like establishing this office and also being uh, at the helm of this uh, big african dream well, thank you very much for the um, for the conversation. The, the first four years were, uh, of course, extremely difficult. Uh, you will recall that uh, my first election was on the uh, 9th of February 2020. Um, barely a month later, the world um, uh, transitioned into a, a, a shutdown. Uh, the African continent uh, here, 42 countries were either in a full or partial lockdown. And of course, the impact on on Africa uh, was a, a significant reduction in export markets, uh, reduction, Africa's reductions uh, uh, to of exports to Europe were up to 35%, disruption of global supply chains, uh, which was very, very severe for the continent. So it was a very, very difficult time to establish a, um, a, a free trade area and to encourage free trade in, in those circumstances. However, we have the political will and the political commitment. Uh, and in that period, uh, actually, 47 countries ratified the agreement, uh, which means that um, we, were, we had the, the momentum to reduce, to start reducing and eliminating barriers to intra-Africa trade. So the first four years really was about establishing the legal construct uh, of the, the trade agreement and building the confidence of the private sector that this is something that can happen and it's something that is um, uh, in the interests of the private sector. So it was a it was a very short period interrupted by externalities which of course we had no control over. Nonetheless, with the the support of uh, the heads of states, I, I, I think objectively I can say that we we had very very good success. It is very encouraging, uh, Ambassador, to hear of uh, the support from various uh, heads of states, and I think majority of heads of states from the continent. I'm keen to find out how uh, you know we are making sense of uh, domestic priorities uh, versus uh, the free trade area. Well, uh, there's a, a minister of trade in South Africa. It's, he's, he's, uh, he has the mandate and the authority to uh, to speak on uh, South Africa's interests in relation to to the AFCFTA. What, what, what I would say is is that um, uh, on the 31st of January this year, the the president, uh, His Excellency President uh, Matamela Ramaphosa, invited. Uh, ministers of trade, African ministers of trade, to a ceremony in Durban to mark uh, the the um, uh, 
the first shipment that South Africa was exporting to Kenya and to Ghana uh, under the rules, uh, the preferential rules of this free trade area, uh, that, of course, uh, signaled uh, that South Africa is exporting and that South Africa is uh, ready to, to take advantage of this, uh, this free trade agreement, including other countries in Saku, Lesotho, Namibia, Eswatini, uh, Botswana, uh, who, uh, as members of Saku, have, have also signaled that, that they are ready. So I think we, we, we are on solid ground uh, to make sure that um, the Southern African region and SACU in particular, uh, that SACU benefits from this free trade agreement. Yes, Ambassador, I'm keen to also get your thoughts on the issue of uh, regional integration um, and how it does play a role in seeing uh, the free trade area to fruition. Well, this is... Um, this is the a long-standing objective of the African Union when it was still the organization of African unity uh, to, to make uh, significant progress in integrating the market uh, in Africa. This, is, this was also uh, clearly articulated in the Abuja Treaty, which sets out Africa's uh, linear model of integration until we reach the highest level of integration, which is a monetary union. So... It is not. It is not something new. It is simply that um, I, I, I believe, for the first time in 61 years, uh, this AFCFTA uh, is a symbol of a very, very concrete step that we have taken in the objective of integrating our market and creating a single market for the African continent in accordance with the ambitions of the treaty establishing the organization of African unity, the vision of an integrated continent, and of course, in accordance with the, the Abuja Treaty. So, yes, it is long in the making, a long-standing ambition of pan-Africanism, uh, but nonetheless, we, we have made, in the last five years, at six years, we've made significant strides to make that reality of an integrated market to make it a, um, a reality, a, a, that dream of an integrated market, to make it a reality. Of course, we have a long way to go. Of course, there are many, many challenges, uh, but we, we've taken the, the very important and critical steps, which uh, from a political point of view is important, but also from an economic point of view is, uh, is important because we want our, our continent to industrialize. We want to overcome the smallness of national economies, the reliance on um, uh, the the over reliance on the export of unprocessed commodities. We have 42 currencies on the continent. We want to overcome all of these challenges uh, by by establishing a um, a single market. So it's a twofold objective. One is political, uh, political economy consideration. And then the other objective, of course, is, as I say, creating a, uh, a single market. Ambassador, I must also ask you about, uh, you know, just the realities that we see on the African continent. We know that the various economies are uh, hardly homogenous. It is very, very different realities everywhere. And a big uh, question that comes up is uh, the issue of infrastructure readiness. Uh, how are we taking stock of this in the development of uh, the free trade area? Infrastructure, the infrastructure deficit in Africa is estimated to be uh, over $130 billion annually. Uh, this is according to the African Development Bank. 
And we know, we're fully conscious of the fact that if we do not have trade supporting infrastructure, we will not reach our amb- ambition of doubling intra-Africa trade by the year uh, 2035. And so a critical component of the success that we desire is um, enhanced and improved trade supporting infrastructure. Now that's not us as a secretariat, that's not our mandate, uh, but the underlying point you make is absolutely correct, uh, that we, we, we need to leverage on the African Development Bank, on African Bank and other development finance institutions to make sure that we have the appropriate investment in infrastructure. Uh, there have been positive, positive steps forward. African Development Bank over the last five years has invested over $45 billion in infrastructure since its establishment um, uh, uh, over 30 years ago. African Bank has invested uh, close to $25 billion in infrastructure. Uh, we need more. Uh, we need more private sector investment. We need private equity, sovereign wealth funds uh, to invest and, of course, to see returns on their investment. And increasingly, across the African continent, we, we are beginning to see infrastructure investment projects that are commercially priced, uh, that are structured in a manner that is attractive to commercial banks, for example, uh, to, or to private equity. Uh, that, that's how we will be able to crowd in uh, the investment uh, that is required to address the infrastructure deficit. But it is, um, it, it is a very important uh, factor in the success of the AFCFTA. I must also ask you about uh, the issue of some political instability in some parts of the continent, uh, you know, Ambassador, and how that could affect our efforts here, if at all. It does affect the the the, um, the instability that we see on the continent has a materially adverse impact um, on trade and integration, uh, whether it is a domestic conflict, as we see in the Sudan, uh, it shuts people out of uh, regional markets and, of course, continental markets. So it's a step backwards. Uh, the, the coup d'etat that we have seen in Mali, two in Burkina Faso, two uh, in uh, Guinea-Conakry, and recently in Niger and Gabon, all of these incidents are, are, are negative uh, for the regional integration ambitions that we have. Um, and from the point of view, of trade, if I give you an example, uh, after ECOWAS imposed sanctions on Niger, mm. smallholder farmers were shut out of markets, um, uh, the agricultural markets in across the border in uh, in Benin and and other parts of uh, the ECOWAS uh, configuration. Uh, so uh, the people who suffer the most are the traders, the informal traders, uh, the informal or smallholder farmers who rely on regional markets for their livelihoods. So it is a very, very serious matter. It was discussed extensively last week on Monday and Sunday at the um, the Summit of Heads of States. We also had a summit, if you remember, last year in May in Malabo, which was a dedicated uh, summit on um, uh, uh, condemning uh, unconstitutional changes of government and developing uh, strategies, uh, not not policies because those exist, but strategies for combating these unconstitutional changes of power and encouraging a transition 
uh, uh, back to uh, democratic norms and practices in these countries that I have that I have just mentioned. So it is a reality that, sadly, we have to confront with. Uh, Niger was a very, very under the democratic government of President Bazoum was a very strong pillar of support uh, for the AFCFTA. Uh, similarly, in Mali, before the coup d'état, uh, uh, Mali was a, an active uh, participant in the AFCFTA negotiations. So it's not good for the continent, but I'm very happy that our our heads of state are very, very clear that it is totally unacceptable to have these unconstitutional changes of power. Very encouraging, I think, uh, Ambassador, to hear of the open condemnation of all of it. I'm also keen to uh, hear more about, uh, you know, the AFCFT and how it works with other uh, continents. We know this is an African project by Africans, uh, for Africans. Uh, are we finding uh, that we're already speaking to other parts of the world, whether it's uh, Southeast Asia or it could be even uh, the West, on how we could uh, enhance the AFCFT, or are we not quite there yet? Yes, the AFCFT is not a customs union. Uh, therefore, we, we do not have the legal authority as a secretariat to negotiate on behalf of the African Union vis-à-vis the U.S., China, or any other country around the world. Unlike the, um, uh, the, the, the European Union, for example, that through the Lisbon Treaty, the European Union Commission does have that authority to talk on behalf of the 27 member states. So I think that distinction is, is very important uh, to, uh, to underscore. However, we have been approached by other countries around the world who um, have an interest to learn from us. Uh, We are the very first free trade area to have a protocol on women and youth in trade. Uh, We are the first free trade area to have um, such elaborate provisions on digital trade. There are free trade areas that have provisions on digital trade. Uh, uh, NAFTA, for example, uh, has provisions on on digital trade, but we've gone beyond that. We are not in the the protocol on digital trade of the AFCFTA. We don't just provide market access, but we also have very, very strong um, digital inclusion uh, provisions for SMEs, for uh, young entrepreneurs, to enable them to access uh, new markets through the protocol on digital trade. So we, there are a lot around the world who are observing from us how we've been able to, to do this in such a, sh- a short space of time. Um, and, and that is a very, very uh, welcome development. I'm actually glad you mentioned the issue of youth and women, uh, Ambassador. Uh, can we please talk about that and the developments uh, so far when it comes to the AFCFTA and even uh, you know the deliberate work that it is taking to ensure that uh, this trade area is something that is uh, very inclusive for the continent? What we've learned from the experience in the WTO and also in other regional economic communities or free trade areas around the world is that if you have a free trade area, whose focus is exclusively market access, mercantilism, um, you are not going to succeed to the extent that it benefits only large corporations. So we have made a very, very deliberate effort to make sure that this free trade area has very strong industrial development uh, components, uh, very strong inclusion components. And we've taken, for example, concrete steps in the area of ensuring that there's industrial development uh, across the continent. We've established the AFCFT Adjustment Fund 
so that a country that does have this industrial development deficit has access to the fund to support its efforts to enhance its industrial uh, capabilities. In the area of inclusion, I mentioned the Protocol on Women and Youth in Trade, which is the first of its kind around the world, as well as the Protocol on, um, on Digital Trade. We have established platforms of dialogue uh, between ourselves, youth formations, ourselves as a secretariat and um, uh, women-owned uh, businesses to, to receive instructions from them about how they want this trade agreement to be implemented in their benefit, to their benefit uh, so that they see the benefits beyond the large corporations uh, which should and shall benefit. So we have made a very, very deliberate, deliberate effort uh, to to build a a new narrative about how trade agreements can actually um, beyond enhancing trade flows between countries, how trade agreements can actually be an instrument for development, and this is something that has been missing in in the in the in the global debate on um, globalization and free trade areas as a, as a subset of globalization. So we've actually changed. Uh, the narrative to become a positive narrative that it can be done, that you can have market access, free markets um, uh, in a trade agreement that has very strong development uh, features to it. Of course, uh, we have to implement it. That's the next step. We've got to make sure that we implement the agreement, and that's what we'll be focusing on on the next four years. It will take, obviously, longer than four years, but we need to start somewhere. It was very exciting, uh, some of the developments that have come out of here, Ambassador. I'm also keen to speak about the Pan-African Payments and Settlement System, uh, what that work's uh, been like and uh, how we're tracking. Well, the Pan-African Payments and Settlement System really is is um, a brainchild of uh, uh, the the African Bank. Uh, it's something that uh, they have been thinking about for a long time. It, it, it is interesting to note that in the treaty that establishes the Organization of African Unity, one of the objectives is to have a Pan-African payments uh, system. This is as far back as May 1963. This is how long in the making this ambition has been. When we were established uh, as a secretariat, obviously we, we see the, um, the synergy. So when we were established, we, we uh, sought and we are uh, uh, supporting the implementation. We put this to the Assembly of Heads of States and Government in 2019 and in 2020, and the Heads of States and Government endorsed the Pan-African Payments and Settlement System as a tool for AFCFTA implementation. And the practical uh, uh, impact is, is immense. For example, if you are a trader in Kenya and you want to trade with somebody in South Africa, before the payment system, the Pan-African Payments and Settlement System was established, you would have to buy a third currency, typically the dollar, to enable you to trade with somebody in South Africa. Your counterparty in South Africa would have to then convert the dollar into the South African rand. That cost of currency convertibility per year, we estimated to be about $5 billion, uh, $5 billion annually. So it is, of course, uh, uh, the, 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 quantifiable, uh, the quantifiable constraint. There are constraints that we cannot quantify, such as 
the impact of competitiveness of small medium enterprises if cumulatively they have to spend five billion dollars a year on uh, trade so pen african payments and settlement system enables trade in local currency in the rand your counterparty in kenya will receive the kenyan shilling you will no longer require uh, to buy a third currency in order to trade um, across the continent over 55 commercial banks uh, across the continent uh, are, are trading live on the platform uh, of course it is something that we launched only a year and a half ago it will take time however we know that it does work we have tested it and piloted it in regions of the continent where there's a multiplicity of currencies for example in uemwa where you have the um, the ghanaian cd the nigerian naira uh, the, uh, the the West African uh, franc and other uh, 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 currencies. So it is a very important development and a very important instrument for AFCFTA implementation. Very, very exciting, uh, Ambassador. I must also ask, uh, when you speak about pilots, we know that recently South Africa's first exports under the AFCFTA were shipped to Kenya and Ghana. Uh, can you speak to us a little bit about that? Well, this is something that, again, as I mentioned earlier, is a very important development because uh, the most industrialized economy uh, on on the African continent uh, has committed and signaled that that it is trading under the preferences of the AFCFTA. The president was very clear in his statement uh, that uh, South Africa sees the benefits of uh, the AFCFTA uh, as we speak uh, export uh, jobs in South Africa amount between 150 and 200,000 uh, between 150 and 200,000 jobs we want to double uh, the number of export jobs uh, uh, in 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 South Africa and the AFCFTA offers an opportunity uh, for that beyond the European Union uh, through the economic partnership agreements and beyond the uh, uh, beyond AGOA where uh, South Africa exports, as you know, um, uh, vehicles. So it offers a, a an additional um, uh, market. It offers an opportunity for South Africa to di- diversify her export uh, markets and not to be reliant on one or two markets, AGOA and the Economic Partnership Agreement. And it is a, a relatively new market. Uh, it is a new market that has 1.4 billion people that is projected by the year 2050 to be a market of $16.2 trillion. Uh, So it is very, very significant um, from the point of view of job creation uh, in in South Africa. And Ambassador, before I let you go, uh, second term, uh, what are some of the key things that you would uh, really like to ensure uh, you achieve in the next uh, four years? You have mentioned uh, some of them uh, through the interview. Well, I would emphasize that the the implementation of the protocols is is important, Uh, although, of course, it is not us as a secretariat, it is not me as secretary general. Uh, It is, however, uh, uh, an important uh, um, uh, priority that we work with with governments to to implement uh, the AFCFTA. We, We have now concluded negotiations. Negotiations are over. We have to focus on implementation. Second, the two protocols which in my view are cross-cutting the protocol on women and youth in trade the protocol on digital trade these two protocols will enable us to uh, accelerate the the inclusion that we want to see 
both from the point of view of Africa's digital economy and also from a, a broader uh, objective of having an inclusive trade agreement that reflects the development character of the African continent. These are two singular uh, objectives. These are two objectives, rather, that I think um, the, the, the next four years we should focus on. Digital trade, whether we are talking about trade in goods or trade in services, the digitization of Africa's economy uh, it has to advance uh, much, much faster. Uh, we have seen and we have learned lessons from the COVID-19 uh, pandemic. Uh, we know that uh, uh, now there are digital pharmacies. We know that uh, now uh, trade payments can be done on digital platforms. So it's a very important part of our work is uh, for Africa to take advantage of the digital economy and to create jobs uh, on the back of the digital economy. Well, Ambassador, it's been a pleasure speaking to you today and uh, congratulations to you and your team for all uh, that you've achieved to date. I'm looking forward to hearing more. Thank you very much. Thank, Thank you for the invitation. You've been listening to a Power 98.7 podcast. For more podcasts, visit power987.co.za or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.